It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Third hour of Clay Buck kicks off right now. Everybody, thank you for being here with us. We now have uh, Stephen Miller with us. He's a former senior advisor to President Trump. Uh, Stephen, appreciate you making the time. We've been telling everybody to get prepared for Title 42. If you could just tell everybody... What has Title 42 meant for the border up to this point, this pandemic era of 40? Well, Title 42, which, as you know, as your audience knows, was implemented early on in 2020 in response to the coronavirus, is the most effective border security tool in American history. And that's for the very simple reason that President Trump And the administration figured out that there was a tool in federal law that had been there for, at that point in time, unused over half a century that gives you complete authority to expel, without any process, illegal immigrants for the purpose of maintaining public health. And so we used that in 2020, as people remember, to drive illegal immigration to lows that had never been seen before. And that includes demographics that have been hard to deal with in the past. So, for example, unaccompanied minors. And we've all read the stories about hundreds of thousands of unaccompanied minors being released under the Biden administration and many of them being impressed into labor servitude or sexual servitude or other kinds of grotesque conditions. And we were able to basically end child trafficking on the southern border uh, in terms of what we were able to apprehend and what we were able to see. And the Biden administration, when they came in, they exempted most demographics from Title 42. So right off the bat, they exempted all unaccompanied minors. And that led to the very thing I just described. They exempted, beginning with most family units, and then they began to slowly exempt almost all families, and then or people pretending to be families, because a lot of them aren't real families, of course. They're just any old adult grabbing a child saying, hey, let me in. Um, and that was something that we saw frequently in the Trump administration. 
And when we threaded to do DNA testing, as an example, you would be amazed at how many people said, oh, wait, no, actually, just, I just found this kid. I'm not related to him at all. Um, even if you just, if you just threatened to do DNA testing, you'd find that a lot of these people were not actually families. But I digress. But they were still using it for some single adults. And so that's the last, that's why you see all these men, single adult men lining up at the border. So the last group of people who at least theoretically could face expulsion under Title 42 were subsets of single adults, mainly some single adult men, depending on what country they're from. And so now the world knows that this last group of people, men, working age, single adults, will now be released into the country no matter what country they come from. That is the reason why you see this footage. Bill Malusian, among others at Fox, has posted this online, Griff Jenkins as well, too, of men just queued up as far as the eye can see waiting to get into the country. And so once Title 42 is gone, uh, then we're going to see this explosion of working-age men coming into the country. So, Stephen, what is the actual result of that? And let me get to give you some numbers. Uh, Bill Malugin tweeted a little bit earlier today, Border Patrol reports a staggering 26,382 migrants in just this past three days. He says that's the highest daily average of nearly 8,800 he's ever seen reported. Title 42 ends at midnight on Thursday, so by Friday, everything is different. What then does this look like, and what does Biden do? Because in theory, I believe, you tell me if I'm wrong, Stephen, we've already had over 6 million illegal entrants. How many more over the next 18 months? The data reflects that of all the things Biden does, this is actually where he's most underwater on polling. Theoretically, even MSNBC and CNN are going to cover this what happens next? Well, let me make the last point first, which is in some respects the least important point. But as we all know, it leads to the most important point, which is getting somebody else in there in 2025. Politically, uh, if the leftist media, the leftist corporate media starts covering the border crisis, politically, that's the beginning of the end for Biden. Because as you know, only people who listen to your show and certain other shows or follow certain people on social media, have any idea what's been happening on the border these last two years. They know things are yep. bad. They know things are not the way they're supposed to be. But they don't have any sense that over 6 million illegals have crossed the border that we know of. That doesn't count the gotaways and the unknowns over the last two years. If the MSNBCs and the CNNs and the ABCs and so forth start covering this, and so it begins, this knowledge begins bleeding into left-wing households, liberal households, more independent households, that's a political catastrophe for the president. In terms of what happens on the ground, it, it, particularly if Republicans are intelligent enough to be able to, um, to rally the country towards a solution, towards a, behind a bill and ultimately behind a, um, a big shutdown fight in September. In terms of what happens operationally on the ground is that it is the immigration equivalent of a reactor meltdown. Like, you know, when a nuclear reactor melts down, everybody has to abandon the site because it's going to hell. Uh, that's the equivalent of that. The Border Patrol cannot possibly handle 10,000 people a day, which is what we're almost at right now. So we've been averaging in the recent days almost 9,000, right? Which is about 200, uh, or sorry, which is about um, 270,000 a month apprehensions. Again, not counting God away. So I'll return to that in a second. So what will happen is, is that the pace and the speed of release will increase exponentially. 
So to go back to my earlier point, when you saw all of the, the minors being put into labor and sex trafficking, it's because they were pushing them in as fast as they could get them. So what you're going to see now is single adult men are going to get pushed into the country at a m- very rapid pace. So they're going to miss an enormous number of people who have significant criminal histories, who have, um, who have significant public safety threats who are here for extremely dangerous reasons, who have you know, obvious signs of gang membership, that if you had the time, if you wanted to interview somebody that you could figure this out, of course, the easiest thing would be to just deport them. But you're going to be letting in a large number of people who are extremely dangerous to the country, both in the near term and the long term. That's going to be one immediate effect. You're going to also see the cartels, and this gets back to the point about gotaways, with the, with the agents now spending effectively almost 100% of their time processing this enormous flow, you're going to see the cartels exploiting all of the gaps that are going to be blowing up on the border where there's no operational presence to significantly increase the trafficking of narcotics and weapons and other contraband into the country. So you're going to have even larger sections of the border that are going to be completely unpatrolled it's going to be free reign for cartels to get anybody or anything they want into the country. And so, I mean, just a very conservative estimate um, is that the number of gotaways would equal the number of apprehensions. That's very conservative, right? So you would double, say, um, 300,000, right? So like 600,000. Uh, so to put that in perspective, every two months, that would be the population of Dallas, Texas, every two months, comprised entirely of illegal aliens. You know, this is nation-changing, this is history-changing, this is civilization-changing. We'll be living with the consequences of what's happening to our country now for the rest of our lives, just like what happened in California over the course of, say, three decades. So, the, the, you know, the mass illegal immigration of California you know, really began sort of in, in, in the 70s and then topped out when George W. Bush was president, you know, in the, in the 2000s. So what that did to California that took about three decades, we're now compressing that into other states, other parts of our country, into a one to two to three year time frame. So we're going to be living with the effects of that on our politics, on our public health system, on our education system, uh, really for the rest of our lives. I mean, all these minors that are coming in, both with adults and without adults, are not literate in their own language, uh, do not have any formal educational training or very little. Uh, they speak potentially dozens of different languages. In other words, it's not just um, you're not just getting minors from Spanish-speaking households. And so our public education system will have no way of accommodating this. Many will never graduate. Again, we shouldn't be educating them. We should be removing them, but that's not what's going to happen. So they're not going to graduate. They're not going to be literate in, in their own language, let alone in English. They're not going to have the uh, training for any kind of job they can realistically occupy here. Uh, and so we're going to be dealing with this enormous burden on our public safety net for the rest of our lives. And that's, and that's frankly, the least of our problems because – as I mentioned before, the public safety threat is going to result in God knows how many people getting killed. We're speaking to Stephen Miller, who was a senior advisor to President Trump in the Trump White House. Um, and also, Stephen, you run America First Legal, correct? Yes, that's right. There we go. America First Legal doing very important work. Stephen, I just want to ask you before we let you go, uh, how does this get fixed? I know Biden's not going to fix it. We're talking about the problem, but we also want to think about solutions uh there will be an opportunity hopefully perhaps by your former boss to fix things in uh, about you know start fixing things in about 18 months or so 
What do you think? How could this turn around? How do you actually secure the border and stop the massive flow of illegals and, and violations of our sovereignty? Yes. Yeah, so that is obviously the most important question. So first, um, on the judicial front, my organization, America First Legal, and you can read about it at aflegal.org, we're representing the state of Texas in a 20-state coalition lawsuit over the open border. So that's what we're doing in the judicial system. Congress needs to use the appropriations process. So government funding expires in September. They use the appropriations process to have the fight of all fights, the shutdown fights and all shutdown fights, and to say in writing in these appropriations bills, whether it be, uh, you know, you've heard the terms before, a continuing resolution or an omnibus, whatever it ends up being, and it has to say explicitly that not one dollar in this bill can be used to resettle or release an illegal immigrant into the United States. You can detain them and you can deport them. You can send them to Mexico. You can send them to a safe third country. But you cannot release any illegal immigrant into this country. We're, we're giving you trillions of dollars to run the government, but not one of those dollars is available for that purpose. And that is the fight to have. That is the ground for Congress to, to, to wage this battle on. And again, if, if they do that, if the House includes that in the bill, it will be the shutdown fight of all shutdown fights, beyond anything we've lived through in our entire lives. And the last step, as you mentioned, 2025, President Trump has laid out exactly what needs to happen, and he's called it the largest domestic deportation operation in history. So you have to obviously immediately re-implement President Trump's policies as existed in 2020. That's actually the easy part. The easy part is, is picking up the phone, calling Mexico, saying we're going back to remain in Mexico, calling Central America, saying we're putting the safe thirds back into effect, and telling ICE and Border Patrol that all the policies that we have as of 2020, are now fully in effect. That's actually the easy part. The hard part is then going and finding the millions and millions and millions of people and saying, no, we're not accepting this. We're not saying, oh, buy the let them in. They're here for life. Going and finding them and removing them is going to require only using federal resources, but every willing state is going to have to provide police officers and first responders and uh, National Guardsmen and every other resource that you are going to need to carry out that removal operation. It will be of a scope and a scale beyond anything that's ever been tried before. Stephen Miller, well, really quickly on the way out, I don't know if you saw the footage of uh, Mark Zuckerberg kicking people's ass in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I don't know sure. if you've ever done Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but is there anybody, if they beat you, like if they put you to sleep, that you'd be like, I could never do Brazilian jiu-jitsu again? Well, I'm, I myself, I've never done Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh, I'm happy to confess on this show that for most of my, my, my life, I was a massive fan of Steven Seagal movies. And oh, you and Buck. If I ever were to learn a martial art, it would have been Aikido. Oh, we're going to have some fun. The emails are rolling in, Buck, with the worst person to put you to sleep in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fight. Um, and there are some really funny ones. Under Siege so. is a great movie. Stephen Miller knows quality when he sees it. Stephen, <laughs> thanks for being with us, man. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. One of the many things we take for granted, food. It's everywhere, at least it used to be. What about during COVID? Were you able to find everything you needed at your grocery store? What about if you've had to deal with tornadoes? or natural disasters, flooding, all these other different sorts of issues that may have happened in your life. Do you have food security? Do you have food insurance? You probably have health insurance. 
Certainly, if you're driving a car around, you got car insurance. Insurance for your home. What about food insurance? That's why we highly recommend you choose My Patriot Supply as your supplier because they're the nation's largest food preparedness company. Right now, they're offering a special deal when you buy their three-month emergency food kit. It'll last up to 25 years in storage. We have right now one for me, one for my wife, one for all three of our kids, over 2,000 calories a day. And with each kit right now, you'll receive a bonus package of crucial survival gear worth over $200 for free. Three-month emergency food kit guarantees your family will have peace of mind during a disaster. And the survival gear will help you be even more prepared. To get your emergency food and your free survival gear worth over $200, go to MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Sanity in an insane world. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, as we roll through the Monday edition of the program. A lot of good emails out there. Whitney in Birmingham writes in, Buck, Buck, my friends and I drank our share of Zima in high school in Louisiana. Drinking age was 18 there back in the day. It was best consumed ice cold with a flavorful Jolly Rancher dropped in. Take that, 
White Claw. So you and Whitney and uh, all of your Zima drinking compadres have a uh, have a fun group out there to uh, to to reminisce about Zima, something different. That was their tagline. This is the answer, by the way. I, so many people are writing in about the worst person to get choked out by. <laughs> John we- John writes, "You're going to love this buck, Brian Stelter." If, if Brian Stelter was to choke you out in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, this you guy beating you in anything would be career ending. And then it's a picture of Brian Stelter's. Brian Stelter's imagine Brian Stelter profile. squaring up across the mat for you to be like, that's right. I'm going to, I'm going to take you in the high guard and then a roundhouse. And then you're going to be, you're going to be eating canvas, my friend. That would be it, a very depressing day. I don't know if you could get back up off the ground. <laughs> you might just have to go ahead and uh, like just crawl off. I don't even know you could stand up after you got put to sleep. We, we should have we should have gone right to left wing media because there are a lot of you know. I mean, Clay, ju- Brazilian Jiu Jitsu match. Who wins? Who wins? Brian Stelter or Chris Hayes from MSNBC? Stelter's got the weight advantage. It would be like the the more I'm thinking about, it, I think Bernie Sanders is really funny just because of his age. Biden also putting you to sleep would be tough to bounce back from if you're you know not eighty as well. But Stelter, like just in like just you know tossing you aside after <laughs> after you passed out. I don't know that you could ever anybody out there listening to us right now who's around Stelter's age if he just you know sort of dismissively put tossed your limp body to the side after he put you to sleep. I, I don't you think you could ever fight anymore. There's no upside to fighting Mark Zuckerberg, right? Like, there's no if you beat him, everyone's like, good for you. If you lose to him, people are buying you Bud Lights for the rest of your days. It's just not. <laughs> it's just not what you want to have happening. So anyway. You've heard InnovationRefundsAndGetRefunds.com CEO Howard Mackler explain how they've helped so many small businesses with their ERC tax refunds. Innovation Refunds has already completed over 17,000 returns for many kinds of businesses just like yours. Construction, retail, restaurants, bars, hotels, and so many more. There are other companies saying they specialize in ERC tax refunds, but not every company is the same. Innovation Refunds has hundreds of five-star Trustpilot and Google reviews and are certified with the Better Business Bureau. Trust your business with the experts at Innovation Refunds. Go to GetRefunds.com to start the process. In around 10 minutes or less, you could be on your way to receiving money for your business. There's no upfront charge. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Innovation Refunds has already helped clients claim over $5 billion in payroll tax refunds through the ERC. They may be able to help your business, too. Go to GetRefunds.com or download the app from the App Store today. Again, that website is GetRefunds.com. Welcome back to Play and Buck. Seven points ahead of Biden nationally, which was a, a big shock to anybody who's been following the polls for recent months because Trump has been running consistently behind Biden in, well, every single poll that I've I've seen without exception in recent months. Uh, so that's a big moment in time. It even has now Clay putting out a poll of will Biden still be the Democrat nominee? He has announced he is the incumbent. He is the president. Chris, by the way, Clay, you said 50-50 basically, right? Of, of the, your poll respondents, 50-50 Biden will be or won't be the nominee? 18,000 votes in so far, Buck. 52% say yes, he's going to be the nominee. 48% say no. There's a lot of you out there that don't that think 
that there might be a political hit job coming or that the Hunter Biden thing is going to implode or maybe Biden's health is going to arise to such a level that they tap him out. But that's a lot, nearly half, just shy. Chris Christie, remember remember when Chris Christie was a guy who uh, really the, a, a lot of the GOP base was, was rallied behind Chris Christie because he uh, was very good at shouting at teachers' union uh, people. You know, very good at shouting at the teachers' unions and pointing out what was going on in New Jersey. But he didn't get very far in the last Republican uh, primary he entered. But here he is. He's telling everybody, by the way, I'm going to say this. I think on this one, Chris Christie is right. But we'll get into a little bit more of where it could go. Here he is saying no one's going to challenge Biden. Play 22. I would say on Biden, I don't not believe there's any credible Democrat who will challenge the president. As long as the president's health is okay, I don't see any credible Democrat challenging him. We all know how hard it is to be challenging an incumbent president. And then, whether it was Gerald Ford or Jimmy Carter or George Bush 41, then you're the person who gets blamed for the general election defeat. And for young people like Newsom, like Pritzker, they don't want their lives ruined in the, in the Democratic Party. They could see a light at the end of the tunnel four years from now. So he's saying, Clay, there's not going to be any serious Democrat contender. Now, let's put aside for a moment what we've talked about, the possibility of Biden is, because of age and infirmity, unable to run, which is a real po- even beyond what we've already seen, as we've talked about many, many times. OK, if Joe Biden has, God forbid, if Joe Biden were to have, say, a massive stroke and was unable to speak afterwards, He's no longer, I think, going to be the nominee for the Democrats. That's pretty clear. But barring something like that, are you convinced that this is how it goes? Or do you think there could still be, whether it's RFK Jr. or somebody else, a real, not not even necessarily a, a victorious challenge, but a real, as he put it, credible Democrat challenge to Joe Biden that could still emerge? When I see these numbers, and let me just reiterate for people out there who did not see us and hear us talking about to open the show, 36% job approval, the worst at this time in a first-term presidency since Harry Truman, 63% say Biden doesn't have the mental sharpness to win, 62% say he's not good enough health-wise to be able to do the job. I wonder if there are charges brought against Hunter Biden. Now, let's presume that that happens, and it happens at some point in the next couple of months. Could all of this drumbeat on Biden finally persuade one person to step forward and say, actually, I think we've got to change challenge Biden? Certainly, if we have a health issue that's so significant. But when you look at these numbers, I mean, Trump buck six or seven point lead in the Washington Post poll. He never had a lead in the Washington Post poll for the entirety of the 2020 race in any poll that they did between Biden and Trump. And why is it going to get better? As bad as Biden is health-wise right now, it would seem to me it's only going to get worse between now and November of 24. In other words, this isn't a Fetterman situation, Buck, where at least you could convince yourself, hey, he's only 53 years old. I think that's how old Fetterman is. A 53-year-old guy can recover from a tough health condition and get better. When you're 80 and you're headed for 82, 
you don't suddenly just start walking way better. Your mental cognition doesn't become infinitely better than it is now. He's going to keep getting worse. And so I wonder if one legit challenger tossed his or her name into the race, whether the whole Biden apparatus might crumble around them. And meanwhile, uh, Clay, Biden's out there telling everybody that he knows more than the vast majority of people. Play clip 12. Critics would say you're elevating her because they think you wouldn't serve a full term. (laughs) And it, it is fair to say that there's not a Fortune 500 company in the world looking to hire a CEO in his 80s. So why would an 82-year-old Joe Biden be the right person for the most important job in the world? Because I've acquired a hell of a lot of wisdom. I know more than the vast majority of people. I'm more experienced than anybody's ever run for the office. And I think I've proven myself to be honorable as well as also effective. He's, He's got more wisdom, more wisdom than everybody. That's what he's saying. Basically, Biden's like, because I'm really smart. I'm Remember Fredo? I'm smart. Yeah. The, the, first of all, the smart thing isn't true. But I will say the one area where I think Biden is, is crumbling is when he said I'm honorable. I don't think majorities of Americans believe that anymore. And this is important, Buck, because in 2020, Biden ran on, I'll restore decency and normalcy and and, and honesty and integrity to the White House. And some people might have bought that in 2020 because he's running against Trump. Trump's numbers have never been good on, do you consider him to be particularly trustworthy? That was Biden's selling point was the delta, the gap between the two. Now it's not very substantial. And this just goes to Biden's an awful candidate. And at some point, I think Democrats are going to start looking at some of these numbers and saying, we may not be able to win with an awful candidate. Electability is his only calling card. And I, I think that for a lot of people who feel very strongly and have felt very strongly about Trump all along as the guy, the pitch becomes, look, we all know the pandemic was a mess and a lot of things happened. There was a crazy time. We had an election in the middle of a, pl- a mi- middle of a pandemic where people were too scared to even stand in line to vote and all this other stuff, right? The pitch can become, though, look, do you want 2019 back or do you want 2023 back? Yeah. Right. I mean, what I know you can't go backwards in time, but it does look like when you uh, show what the results are of the two approaches, particularly, I mean, really, we're talking about the economy, but also I think the border, I think the border is going to be more of a vulnerability for Biden uh, this time around than, well, certainly he wasn't president before, but I think it's going to be a substantial vulnerability for him based on what we're seeing unfold on what the numbers will be um that that then becomes a comparison where you could see independents saying all right the border and the economy biden's not going to be that vulnerable on crime as we've said all along because he kind of plays it both ways he lets the crazy democrats do what they want but he says that he likes cops but on the on the border and uh, on economic issues i think biden's got a real uh weak spot two weak spots I think the question that everybody has to answer and this is going to be one that we debate for the next 18 months 81 million people were willing in some way to cast a ballot for Joe Biden. Every time we talk about the numbers, I just want you to accept that that's the numbers, right? 75 million roughly for Trump. How many of the people who voted for Trump in 2020 
think I made the wrong choice. Any? I mean this honestly. Are there any of those 75 million that voted for Trump and now that they've seen Biden be president for three years are thinking, oh, you know what? Biden's not that bad. If I could go back in time, I would vote for uh, Biden instead. I think there's almost zero. How many of the 81 million, though, who voted for Biden thought things would get a lot better and their lives are worse? And I don't know how many of them will change their mind, Buck, but I do think a lot of those 81 million just might not show up. Yeah, the stay, the stay home Biden. effect. That's more. Yes. I think that's a more compelling pathway for a Trump victory based on the numbers than the switching independent. Yes. I don't think a lot of Biden 2020 voters switch to Trump. But I do think that there's a fair case that a lot of Biden 2020 doesn't want to do it again in 2024. I think that's right. And that's the pathway, I think, to Trump potentially winning. Not necessarily turning out more voters himself, but Biden not being able to produce the ones that he did before. Look, I want to get you hooked up right now with my slippers. Probably the most comfortable slippers you'll ever own. My wife is wearing these right now. I just went downstairs. She's working in them. She has got them on. She has bought them for everybody in our household, and right now they're only 25 bucks. Usually they cost 150 She has bought them for a lot of her friends. We have got 10 ordered right now on their way. You can take advantage of saving $120 a pair right now when you use our names as the promo code Clay and Buck. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and find the color and size that works best for you. $25 per pair is that sales price, 80-plus percent off the closeout price uh, that would otherwise have existed. You are saving over 100 bucks. Remember to use our names, Clay and Buck, to get that price point. If you're in the car or you'd rather just call, dial 800-792-3269, 800-792-3269. My slippers get hooked up today. Don't miss a minute of Clay and Buck and get behind the scene access to special content for members only. Subscribe to CNB 24 7. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Closing up on the Monday edition of the program. Our thanks to Stephen Miller. He was fantastic at the start of this hour talking about the disaster that's soon to come at our border. Title 42 expires at midnight on Thursday as we turn into Friday. And already, as Bill Malugin is pointing out, we're seeing record numbers of individuals crossing the border. And that hasn't even effectively ended yet. So this week is going to be one of particular tumults for the uh, for the border region. Encourage you to go listen to that. You can go subscribe. Uh, for the podcast, you can search out Clay Travis, Buck Sexton on YouTube. You can find us everywhere, uh, and you'll be glad that you do it, I hope, and I believe that you will when you do so. Now, um, Hollywood. Hollywood, Buck, there are a lot of people, it seems, that are slowly recognizing how infiltrated by the woke virus the left coast of uh, California, in particular Hollywood, has become. Many of those people are still not willing to speak out, but some of the older actors uh, and actresses, people who recognize they don't have that much time left, I would say, in their careers, are among the most outspoken. They're not trying to preserve their viability as actors or actresses. Richard Dreyfus has had a legendary, I think it's fair to say, uh, career as an actor in Hollywood, and he's fed up with the inclusion standards and what exactly is going on. Here's what he had to say. Starting in 2024, films to be eligible for the Academy Awards for Best Picture, they'll have to have a certain percentage of actors or crew from underrepresented racial and ethnic groups. What do you think of these new inclusion standards for films? They make me vomit. Why? Because this is an art form. It's also a form of commerce and it makes money but it's an art and no one should be telling me as an artist that I have to give in to the latest most current idea of what morality is it's an eloquent really well description said. of yes eloquent description of, of what the problem is I would just say we just want the best entertainment for everybody possible. It really doesn't matter, you know, who who the uh, assistant writer is or the, uh, you know, who's doing the casting, who's doing the catering. Nobody cares um, who's watching these movies. And if it's about art and the stuff that is making stuff that's the best and has the most, uh, you know, brings the most joy and, and uh, illuminates the most for the audience, you would think, that's where we could be. But it, this is where we start to talk about how we're wokeness is Marxism just with r race instead of class as effectively the uh, mechanism 
upon which the redistribution has to be based. We didn't even talk about the, uh, maybe we'll get into it tomorrow, the reparations uh, committee in California. Have you seen this, by the way? Surely yeah. they're not actually going to try to pay reparations, right? I just keep thinking it's kind of a ridiculous political joke, but they keep advancing the ball in the direction of, what is it, the latest, $1.2 million per individual, uh, black individual of California, I think yeah. is the number I've seen most recently. I, I, I'm, some activists, I think, are saying that's not that's not enough, to which of I course. just say that they're, they're right. It should be a trillion dollars. You should give a trillion dollars to everybody. And even that won't make up for the historic injustice. So I don't know. I guess that's just a down payment. Um, but also, what is the best Richard Dreyfus movie? Oh, the all time best Richard Dreyfus movie is I, I the the easy answer, I think, has to be Jaws, which is one of the best popcorn, pure movie theater enjoyment films ever made. But if you look at the rich Richard Dreyfus filmography, I'm looking right now because I want to make sure I don't mess one up. I mean, Jaws, I, I've argued this, Buck. I bet you would agree. Most influential movie ever made in terms of, I think that everybody who goes to the beach thinks about getting eaten by a shark. And if that movie had never been made, I don't know that anybody would have made that choice, right? Um Oh, man, he's got so many great movies when you go look at the list. He's been doing this for so long. Um, man. I, I mean, you know, the American president. I'm looking at Mr. Holland's opus. Uh, let's see. I, I don't know, man. I think, I, think, I think Jaws is pretty. Piranha 3D is definitely not his best. <laughs> I'll put that out there. Um, I, I, I saw some of that on TV once. and I, was, I can't believe someone made this movie. Uh, producer Greg put in Close Encounters. I haven't seen that, so I can't speak to it, but maybe it's great. Um, I, I think it is Jaws, man. I think if you're looking for I the, the right. most, Im- most impactful or however you want to describe it movie Richard Dreyfus was ever in. But, you know, I, I do feel like these days more and more you see, um, people that are realizing that if you are a, a woke white guy or a girl in Hollywood, you are getting pushed out of things that you think you should get. People are starting to see this. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're straight, white, and you know, a guy or a girl, but particularly for uh, straight white males in Hollywood, a lot of new barriers thrown up all the time. So, you know, in California, people get what they vote for. He's seventy-five, and I would leave you with this idea as we finish off the Friday edi- or Monday edition of the program. Art without nuance is propaganda. Much of what you're seeing come out of Hollywood in terms of the rules, regulations, and implementations is the exact antithesis of why people moved to Hollywood in the first place. Hollywood used to be a land for eccentrics, for misfits, for dreamers, for people who were a little bit different than the rest of the country. Now, Buck, it rigorously enforces a code that everyone has to agree to be a member of or you're kicked out. Clay, I think you got to start a production studio. We should talk about this. That would be fun. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 